0: Keep Nintendo Weird is brought to you by the amazing friends and supporters at patreoncom podcast. Without them, this show could not and would not exist. I want to thank them all so, so much, especially our Triforce tier supporters like Josh Vaughn, John Cummins, Sparky, Adam Caparello, Shy Guy, Daniel Hosa, Dan and Luma, Solo Something, and Uncle Randy. Bryans, and a special thanks also to our Golden Banana Tour supporters: Rob Yapel, Third Strongest Mole, Sean Sean Baggins Ashton, Tim A, aka Neo Prime Thirty Three, aka Nintendo Dad Number no. Four, Matt Shy Guy City Murray, Phelan Ward, Bill Tucker, Marcus O'Neill, Liam D. Bowza, gamer jason and andrew wilkins if you want to join their ranks support keep nintendo weird and the entire all-in network as well as net yourself some great perks like early access to this show exclusive weekly podcasts merch discounts and more head over to patreon.com slash all-in podcast and see which tier makes the most sense for you now without any further ado let's keep nintendo weird keep nintendo weird everybody my name is seth sturgill if you never joined us before this is a weird nintendo podcast about loving weird nintendo games today we're talking we love katamari i guess specifically we love katamari Reroll plus royal reverie which just released on the nintendo switch and i'm joined by one of my favorite people to talk about video games with matt shy guy city murray hey dude welcome back
1: hey oh yeah it's been a while like over a year right
0: it has, yeah. It's been a little bit. Um, I think, yeah, because we had you on for, you were here for Rocket Slime. Um, and yeah, I didn't even think about that. It has, it's been like, I don't know, it's been a while since anybody's been on this show. It's been tough to like <laughs> find time to do this show. Um, sure. So, so it's good to, it's good to be back in the saddle and to be talking about this, especially since like you and I kind of had like a weird, like shared kind of experience playing this one. Um, and I want to say, actually, you know what? Now that, we're, now that we're here and we're doing it, let me just put this right out there on Front Street before, you know, some weirdo in the YouTube comments is like, um, actually, this is a PlayStation 2 game. You know, mm. <laughs> um, here's the thing. Because there are people out there, even when Keep Nintendo Weird first started, there were people who saw that I had the prints in the artwork, and they were like, why is the Prince in here? Because at that time, the first game had already come out on Switch. As long as it's mm-hmm. on Nintendo, it counts for me. Like this game, like this, this podcast is not about like getting into the weeds of what is considered a weird Nintendo game or not. It's about just talking about games and being passionate about it. And the fact that this game is now uh, that we love Katamari is now on switch is just a good excuse to talk about. We love Katamari. That's it. Like that's, you know, it really is that simple. So just, you know, stay your blade, YouTube commenters, (laughs) you know? So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, And it's also interesting, too, because we, uh, you know, the last time you were here, you didn't really have, like, this was before Critical Diversions had really, like, become a thing. So uh, now you kind of have, like, something to promote, I guess, for the first time ever. So uh, I kind of wanted to just at least quickly, before we get into it, talk a little bit about Critical Diversions and like you now have like a podcast that you do you're you're a podcaster i guess now also
1: (laughs) that's stretching the definition of the the term (laughs) but um yeah i think actually the first time i ever mentioned what critical diversions even was back before it even had a name i think it was on that rocket slam podcast it was maybe like we were We've been working on it for a long time. I guess, yeah, I'll back up. Uh, Critical Diversions, it's um, a video game fanzine. Um, I did like three-fourths of the writing on it. There's like 18 articles. It started off as just a game of the year 2020 list, and then I had convinced my wife, uh, who is an artist, to do the illustrations for each of the entries. And then it gradually just got out of control, and I recruited multiple friends along the way to also um, write articles for me, uh, including Seth at the very last minute. (laughs) True.
0: I were, I my way in there, baby.
1: (laughs) And yeah, we put that out last November and then, you know, I immediately was down to do a second issue and some, a tiny bit of work on it has been done, but then it just kind of turned into, I don't have any like major inspiration to write a whole nother magazine right now. Mm -hmm. And then also, like, would I be able to get the whole crew back together or like find a different crew to do it all kind of thing? So while I figure that all out, we just kind of started a Games Club podcast in our Discord, um, which if any of you all want to join, feel free to contact uh, the Critical Diversions Twitter account at crit underscore diversions. Um, but yeah, we, we just put up our second episode. First episode was Tears of the Kingdom, which was probably a bad first episode <laughs> to do <laughs> that, that yeah. uh, format on. Fair. And then uh, the second episode was the WarioWare series. But yeah, I, I, think, I think that's everything for Critical Diversions. Yeah. Well, I mean, people who, who
0: listen to this show would probably be interested in tuning into that WarioWare episode. Um, so so that's definitely a good a good point of order. I'll have links in the uh video description and in the show notes for anybody who wants to check it out, because um what we what sort of like happened was um you had specifically wanted to create like some kind of, you know, at least Nexus point for like deep video game conversation. And, um, and also just the notion of a games club, like the notion of a games club is not new. Like there are people, there are other, you know, there, there are even other things that I am a part of. They're kind of like little games clubs where you just link up and talk about games. But, um, we have like a really good sort of like core group of just like kind, like empathetic, well-spoken, intelligent people to link up and like chat about games with, you know, once a month or whatever. And, um, even when it's something like WarioWare, we can just get together and chat about it on a deep level for like two and a half hours or something. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good. It's been cool to, you know, not only be a part of like the, the fanzine, but to be a part of the, uh, the club and and the podcast and stuff too. So it's been, it's been cool. I'll definitely make sure people check that out because I think people will get a kick out of it. Uh, people who like this show. So... Yeah, um, but but Matt, uh, we love Katamari. This game came out, um, you know, originally on the PlayStation 2. It's a sequel to Katamari Damacy, which was also on the PlayStation 2. These are very, like, PlayStation-centric games. Um, mm-hmm. But coming out on the Nintendo Switch with these, like, re-roll, you know, HD versions, um, I think has given a lot of people the opportunity to play them for the first time, and... It certainly has given, like, you and I the opportunity to go back and re-experience. I don't know about you. I probably haven't played We Love Katamari in, like, 15 years or something. Like, it's been a long time.
1: So, getting this, Ye- um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, no, sorry. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, I think 2005 is yeah. when this came out originally. Um, it's funny. Should we just go over real quick what Katamari as is? What a it even is. is? Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's simple, but also very abstract at the same time. Um, so in the original Katamari Damacy, uh, you're playing as the prince of all cosmos, whose father, the king of all cosmos, uh, accidentally destroyed all the stars in the sky. Like, got drunk, I guess? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The- heavily... <laughs> Heavily implied that he (laughs) drunkenly shattered the stars in the sky. Um, And then it's your job to take this Katamari ball down to Earth and just roll things up onto it and everything sticks to it. And then you're just rebuilding the sky. Um, It's very silly and very goofy. It's very, very heartfelt and personal. You don't see games like this anymore. I feel like, Mm -hmm. you know, indie games. Like are the closest, but it's still, this was like a, at the time, like a, a not minuscule budget, like release from a major publisher Yeah, where you're just running around rolling stuff up and there's fun music playing about lonely rolling star and whatever else. And, um, so the sequel, we love Katamari. Um, it doesn't have much of a plot taking in the current day. It's mostly Mm -hmm. told the plot it has is told through flashbacks, which is the king of all Cosmos's uh, origin story and his, his relationship with his father. Yeah. uh, Which is, (laughs) uh, we'll talk about that. I'm sure because there's a lot to dig into. Um, But yeah, from the, the current day perspective, it's all just now earth is just a big fan of, katamari as a concept and everyone just wants to see you roll stuff up in different ways
0: yeah yeah it's it's interesting like there's so many different like themes to to pick apart with it because i think that when i originally played these games and i'm curious like what your introduction to katamari was but um when i initially played these games i i definitely like didn't pick up on slash care about like the subtext of them. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I was just kind of the, the interesting thing about, about the Katamari games is that like they're they're almost a deconstruction of a power fantasy. Like it is a non-violent power fantasy, which mm-hmm. I think it, it it might be the only non-violent power fantasy that I can think of at the scale that it is. Because normally in video games, it is I get more powerful so I can deal more damage and I can kill things easier or whatever. But this game is like the ultimate, I roll things up, I start small, I become very, very big and I can roll up anything that I want to as long as I have enough time to become as big as I want to be. And like, Like that is what a power fantasy is, starting small and becoming big, and it does that without any sort of violence at all. When I was initially playing these games, I picked up on zero of that. I was just like I was just like cool, like no thoughts, head empty, rolling around, (laughs) listening to good music, and like and getting very big or whatever. But I like that you can engage with Katamari in both ways. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, yeah, I was I'm with you in that, you know, the original game. So I guess my introduction, I had heard about it in gaming magazines before it yep. got localized. And it was one of those like white whales of like, what people were hoping to get localized at the time. Um, and then it came out. I don't, I don't remember exactly how I got my copy, but I got a copy is probably like a $20 used copy or something. Yeah, I was 15 years old at the time. Um, and I brought it over to my friend's place that summer and that's became one of our huge like community games like me and all the boys getting together to play Katamari and it wasn't even I don't remember what kind of multiplayer options the original had um I'm sure it had something I you know later games they'd add like the mode where like well, I guess you could play the game like this without a mode, but like two people would hold one controller and you're trying to steer and it's very dumb and silly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't pick up on any of the subtext either. I was just like a kid that, you know, uh, had like an emo haircut and went to hot topic a lot. Hell yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I thought I was smarter than I was. Maybe sometimes I still think I'm smarter than I actually am <laughs> and but that stuff all <laughs> flew way over my head. It was just, yeah, it was just, a, you know, fun in the way that, like, teenager's sense of humor kind of breaks down to just, like, LOL random. Like, that's kind of yeah. what Katamori was to me at the time. But, you know, yeah, 15, 20 years later, it's, yeah, there's a lot going on here that I never expected. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I remember um, the way I was introduced to Katamari in general was similar to you. Um, it wasn't a magazine, though, but I think it was X-Play, which, like, God, now that I, like, that, it really, it was never good, like, to to, to right. be honest. Like, going back and watching is like, yeah, this always kind of sucked. It just, like, it appealed to my sensibilities in that time of my life when I was like an impressionable, you know, teenager entering early adulthood or whatever. Um, And I remember watching like the X play review of it and just really liking the, the art and everything and Mm -hmm. being attracted to, to, to the art of it. And I think I wound up, I think I was living in Montana at the time and we, we rented the, the first one, my friend Jacob and I, and, and played it on my PS2. My PS2 was like my, like that was what kept me sane during that time of my life cuz my family had like nothing when we lived in Montana but damn it I had my PS2 and um and so it was kind of nice we would go to we would walk down to Blockbuster which was like you know 2 miles down the road or something in Helena Montana and we would rent stuff like every day and just like play it to escape um from from like the poverty <laughs> that we were both living in at the time um and I, I remember, like, that X-Player review um, really kind of, like, making me... It, it looked... what What I think it really was for me was it looked like Jet Set Radio Future, which is... Mm. maybe my second favorite game of all time. And like the colors and like the vibrancy and the sort of like Japanese like flair to it was something that I had been looking for in other games and was never really able to find again. And so when I saw the X-Player, I was like, oh, like this looks like Jet Set Radio. I need to play this. And it was funny. I went back because I knew I was going to bring this up um, in this conversation. I went back and watched the old X-Player review and Uh it is so bad within... (laughs) Within the first, like, 20 seconds of that review, they do what annoys me to no end when people talk about this game, which is, oh, like, clearly they're doing so many drugs
1: over there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. um, Like, I didn't mention it. I didn't know how into it I wanted to get. But, yeah, I specifically remember the article in EGM I read. it. I don't, I guess I don't want to go so far to say like fetishization of Japanese culture, but it was very back then for people that weren't around back then or following the industry back then, very weird, racist undertones, whenever Japanese stuff, especially things that were like overtly Japanese. Yeah. um, You know, like I tend to prefer Japanese media. It's just a thing that happened. I wasn't seeking it out as a kid you know i didn't like many cartoons like he-man or whatever and then i saw dragon ball z i'm like oh okay like Mm -hmm. this this makes sense now i don't know if it's just the style or whatever but um so i naturally was inclined towards japanese stuff already without even knowing it half the time so yeah to me it it was that was a cool thing to know that this hey this game is very japanesey in terms of its like sensibilities and sense of humor but at the same time looking back it's not good <laughs> it's very not good the way it's the way it's talked about in that way
0: it annoys me to no end and then i was like i wonder what their we love katamari review is like and then it starts off like like one thing that is very clear about importing a game from Japan is that everybody over there is on drugs. You know, I'm just like, yeah. Oh my God. Like it's so annoying how like the, just the verbal shorthand of something being, you know, unique or weird or over the top is just like, ah, the person must've been on drugs when they made this. And I don't know. I mean, maybe I I don't know if Keita Takahashi was on drugs, but like the, the point is that like, I, it, it really annoys me how, how that just becomes you know, like the, the dialogue around around it or or anything like this. And we've talked about this too. Like, I think of stuff like, like Tim and Eric where everybody's like, yeah, um, yeah, those guys, I, I want whatever they're smoking or whatever. And they're yeah. like, yeah, actually, we never did drugs when we wrote the show. And in fact, it's like harder to make surrealist media when you're, you know, like it's not as easy as just like, I'm gonna, you know, do some drugs and then make this surrealist thing. It usually has like a purpose and a point. And especially in We Love Katamari, like some of the some of the situations that you that they put you in, I'm like, oh, this has nothing to do with it being like weird or wacky or whatever. As much as it is just like, we're putting you in a fun situation where this sumo wrestler wants to be bigger than the other sumo wrestlers. So roll his body into food and make yeah. him
1: big. <laughs> you know? All right. Because, like, it is very Japanese culture but to us, like, it, I shouldn't say to us, because to me this isn't the case, but to a lot of Americans or whatever, yeah. like, the mere idea of a sumo wrestler is like, that's weird, whereas, like, sumo wrestlers are very well regarded and respected in Japan in the same way, like, an NBA player is in America, but you don't have that context, so to, to a lot of Americans, it just becomes, it enters that cycle of just, like, Oh, I'm rolling a, a big guy around to roll over another big guy, which yeah, when you break it down like that, that is funny, but uh that's not the that's not the entire idea.
0: Right. Yeah. That that frustrates me to to no end. So so when it did you enter in with um with Katamari Damacy or was it We Love Katamari was your first one?
1: It was Katamari Damacy whenever mm. that came out in America and then I got we love Katamari. Actually, I remember exactly how um, I had gift cards from Christmas for Best Buy. Hell yeah! And the two games I picked up were We Love Katamari and Shadow of the Colossus. which oh, snap! Is very funny to look back on, right? Because at the time, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus were the poster children for like games as art or whatever. Which I don't want to get too much into that either, but. Games are art. We don't need to prove ourselves. It's fine. Shadow of the Colossus is fantastic, but it's not because of it's more artsy than other games. Right. But when we break it down, like to me, like Katamari is a more interesting take on video games as an art form than well, basically anything. Honestly, um, like Katamari is in like the MoMA. Like I have a Katamari MoMA T-shirt from Uniqlo. Um, But yeah, I picked that up. I think that would have been Christmas 2005 would be my guess. Um, At the time, I had moved away from my friends. So Katamari Damacy, we played to death that whole summer. And then by the time We Love Katamari came out, I I didn't have too many friends. And none of them were really into games. So that was a much more lonely Katamari experience. So I didn't actually play as much. We love Katamari as the first game until the switch version. Mm. And I have played the switch version to death in the past couple of weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, when I finally got my copy in from Amazon after like a month, I finally got <laughs> it. in. Um, I found it really like, and I don't know if it's just the season of life that, that I'm in um, right now, but like I found myself and, I, and I'm the type of person to, especially in my adulthood that over analyzes everything. Um, and I like look for deeper meaning in my media, basically at every turn. And it's the kind of thing where, especially in reading like little things, like how Keita Takahashi didn't even want to make the game. Like Namco kind of like strong armed him into making the mm-hmm. game effectively. And you can almost feel it. Like when you play it, like there's almost like a commentary on like being the recipient of surprise success. You know, right. like of of like just sort of like, oh, like like people actually liked my art. That's weird and surprising. What do I do now? Well, I guess I had better just appease my legion of my legions of fans. Like that's the whole plot of We Love Katamari. And that's sort of like you you get the sense that that's probably how Keita Takahashi felt is like I didn't necessarily want to continue beating the dead horse. I felt like I kind of said what I wanted to say with Katamari Damacy, but everybody loves it. So I guess I should appease my fans. And that's what the game is,
1: (laughs) you know? And it's also funny looking at it from that lens because most of your fans in this game are kind of (laughs) jerks.
0: Right? Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And, And it was something too, like, you know, as as like a, a content creator or whatever, whatever like modicum of fandom I have on, on the internet um, on a much more, you know, macro scale than, than this of course. But like, it sort of resonated with me as like a content creator of like what you, what you do for yourself versus what you do for, for your fans or whatever. Like, I hate that word, but like what you mm-hmm. do for the people who actually like your content. And it made me, when I started looking at the game, like from that perspective, I started to even pick apart like little elements of it differently. Like one of my favorite songs in the game and the game has amazing music, of course, but um, that, that everlasting love song, um, mm. which is great. But like the breakdown of that song is like, I can make a song for you and me. I can, or I can sing a song for you and me. I can make a song for all who feel love. And like, when I was looking at this game through that, like content creator lens, I was like, Oh, like, it kind of hit me a little bit differently, that lyric. It was almost like I can sing a song for for you and me, but like I'm making it for the people who feel love. I'm making it for the people who have that love for what I'm doing, that love for me. I'm making it for like, I can sing it for both of us, but I'm making it for you, you know? And like that, I, I don't know, like that was just a weird, like that just gives you a window into like, how weird and fucked up like the like emotionally (laughs) this this playthrough was for me of we love katamari and just like the the different themes i was just sort of finding myself picking out of it in
1: 2023 i think i mean yeah. for one i never would have come to it from like yeah that content creator perspective and like making art i mean again i've made i again i don't want to call it art, but I've made things that like of other people can look at. Yeah, of course. It's art. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up the music. Cause yeah, we probably need to talk about the music so quite good. a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, like truly probably like a definitely a top 10 favorite soundtrack of all time for me. For sure. Um, if I had to pick a, fa- I mean, yeah, there's so many good ones. Yeah. Everlasting love is amazing. Uh, I think my favorite is um, "Bluffing Damasi." Mm-hmm. Um, th- have you ever looked up the translation for that song? No. Okay, I won't go all the way into it. So it's about a like a guy that that is an alcoholic, and he wants he's trying to quit alcohol cold turkey, but he knows he's not going to succeed, so he's lying to himself. <laughs> Oh, uh, hence shit. the title. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I have some of the lyrics right here. Um, From now on, I'm a new man, refreshed, refreshed. I won't destroy things. I'll make something new. I want to try something new, something I've never seen or heard of. I'm a challenger, so I'll go anywhere and everywhere. Um, and yeah, other parts of the song talks about like yeah, it, it's basically like he wants to be a better person for like his friends and family but mm-hmm. the subtext being that he knows that that's not going to last and that eventually he's going to relapse. Um, and so that all these songs play in like a couple different levels, but probably my favorite level in the game. And the one that I th- always thought of when I thought of, we love Katamari is the one where you're rolling up, um, fireflies. Yeah. Because there's like a, a nerdy dude that, that he's trying to study at a dark campground and he needs light. And that's the song that plays on that level. And I had never looked up what the translated lyrics were until a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, it always hit me as very like melancholy and bittersweet. And then, yeah, I, I just happened to look up the lyrics or rather I saw them in the YouTube comments um, <laughs> as one does nowadays. Yeah. And I was like, no, that can't be right. So then I actually like did more a little bit of research. I nope, that dude was right. This is what this means. Wow. And yeah, it's it's funny too because I think the reason you and I had this like emotional, like introspective look back at the game with this playthrough is on top of the fact that that's already who we are and how we like to engage with our games. And yeah, we haven't touched the, this game in a really long time. But also, you know, the the act of playing Katamari is pretty simple with a couple exceptions, like the the bear and cow level you actually have to really concentrate on oh yeah
0: fuck that level dude
1: (laughs) (laughs) so so
0: hard to navigate yeah yeah you have to avoid and like and like everything basically is a bear or a cow like in some way everything has
1: has like spots or is a bear statue or something Mm -hmm. but on top it's so simple that like my mind is wandering but not in a bad way it's just i'm getting lost in what I'm doing and just absorbed in the music and the visuals and everything. It's yeah. I had like motion, multiple like emotional, like breakthroughs and epiphanies like about my life. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's very weird. And I don't even know if this is the place to talk about it really, but maybe we will <laughs> because hey, uh, I don't know where else to even talk about it.
0: No, I'm, I'm right there with you, dude. I had multiple and there's, you know, and there's a lot of like, there's a lot of, like, different different themes to the game, of course, but, like, I do think that there's something about that. I remember reading an interview one time with Keita Takahashi, or maybe it was a talk that he gave or something, where he actually was very against, like... It, it seems strange, because you would think he would be the kind of guy to, like, um, really embrace, like, new gameplay gimmicks or whatever, things like the mm-hmm. Nintendo Wii and stuff like this. But, like, he wasn't really making games... For that, in fact, he was like, I think that games like like playing games should be as simple as possible. Like, the game Ooh. should be at the heart of it. The game the game being fun should be at the heart of it. It shouldn't need any, like, gimmicks or, like, the, the actual control should be as simple as possible. I don't know that I agree with that sort of, like, you know, totalitarian, like, stance on it. But the the heart of that comment from him, though makes a lot of sense b- because of what you've just said like because of how simple katamari is it does sort of allow you space to like unpack how it's making you feel like mm-hmm. which is not something that video games often afford you like a, a lot of the times it's like you've got you're playing God of War and Mimir is on your belt talking to you constantly, or you're playing Borderlands and like the game just doesn't shut up. You know, like Katamari is like, it's playing music, but like, it's fairly like quiet. Like it just kind of lets you go and, and like parse your emotional response to whatever is happening. So I, yeah, that's such a rarity today.
1: It's interesting. I specifically remember being the big Nintendo dork I am. Um, I was like, yeah, where's Katamari for the Wii? Like, I want to like right. shake the Wii mode nunchuck. And yeah, he specifically was like, no, um, <laughs> right? He he was like parallel sticks. That's it. Even with the Switch re-release of of the first Katamari, he was like, don't play this on the Switch or get a don't play it on a Pro controller because you like I want you to play with parallel sticks because it's supposed to be mm-hmm. like that's your hand, the hands of the prince rolling the ball. Which yeah, again, I don't. <laughs> I would prefer to get. The game into as, the hands of as many people as possible, but I do understand the point, and I will say I do agree with the parallel sticks thing. I've been playing on an eight-bit dough controller with parallel sticks, and it does feel better than the the pro controller layout. But right, that's besides. It really doesn't matter that much. Like the game isn't. Right. It's not like you can get a better score or size or whatever, but it's not not the point.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I like that he. I like that he has an opinion on that, I guess, yeah. like regardless of how I feel about that. um, But, but yeah, it was sort of like, it was making me think about also the place that, that we love Katamari kind of had in my life. I remember. So, and you know this, but I'll, but I'll reiterate it to the audience. Um, I met my wife online. We met on a dating website and we dated long distance. Like we just kind of talked long distance for like nearly a year and then finally, even though she wasn't, like, all that far away, I think we both just had, like, a lot of nerves to meet each other, like, in person. And I started, you know, we we finally met in person. It was great and blah, blah, blah. And I developed this cadence of, like, going to visit her every two weeks, basically. I was working at GameStop at the time. Every other weekend, I would come and spend the weekend with her. And I remember not long after we started dating, like, in person like that, Um, I would typically like get a hotel room for the weekend and we would just sort of live out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and (laughs) I remember one time, uh, early on in, in like sort of dating her in person, um, We had, we were, you know, we had went to bed or whatever, and we were waking up the next day to go do something. And she had set her alarm to make sure that on her phone to make sure that we woke up in time and her alarm goes off and it's Katamari on the swing. Like, so (laughs) like you, it wakes up like, like, okay, everybody, like that whole thing, like to, to start you off your day. And I remember it went off and like, it's, I'm like, it was one of those things like, oh my God, like, what is that? And then I get the sleep out of, I'm like, wait a minute is your alarm Katamari? Like, and, and she's like, oh my God. Yeah. I love Katamari. And I, I think that was like one of those moments where I was like, I'm going to marry this woman, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I just remember that that night um, we like at, at her place, she was living with her best friend at the time. And, uh, and she had her PS2 and she had, we love Katamari. And like, I just remember like we played that together um, In that moment, and it was like, my wife is not like a hardcore gamer or anything, but like there are a few little touchstones and I like, yeah, I'll, ne- I'll never forget that. Like that sort of like moment of connection with her and I of just like, oh, wow, like you even know what this is at all. You like, know, <laughs> I, I meet people still today who who have no idea what it is, but somehow it entered into my wife's purview and it resonated with her so much that she set it as her alarm on her phone <laughs> you know
1: so that was I mean, fun. yeah that that's for one yeah that that's very like yeah that's that's beautiful i there's not really any other word i mean it, someone's probably listening that's like what are you that's dorky or whatever but like that's yeah. what makes it beautiful like <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it was it was so it's it's kind of nice because um it it the the season of life right now is my, my wife is changing careers. She has been in the same kind of career that she's been in since we met. Like the, the she's, she has worked for Taco Bell the entire time we've been together. Like we've been together like 13 years. She's worked for Taco Bell that whole time and she is just now finally kind of changing careers. So it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting that like, it, it's almost like different chapters of like our life together of like, this game was there at sort of the beginning of our life together. And now here it is like in the turning of a new chapter, weirdly, Um, mm. especially since because of her new job, like we're going to have to end up spending a little bit of time apart each week. And um, that's been kind of like challenging emotionally, like trying to like figure out, you know, sort of how that's going to work for us and stuff. But um, So it it is kind of weird that, like, the game is coming out now and that, like, I'm playing it now and I'm having just this strange emotional, you know, response to everything
1: happening. So. And I wonder, you know, as I've gotten older, like, it's a lot easier to make me cry nowadays than it was 15 years ago or whatever. Um, There's something I don't. I I don't have the vocabulary. I feel like I have a decent vocabulary, but I don't have enough vocabulary to try and explain what it is about certain like Japanese media in particular, like the quietness and the gentleness of something like, like a studio Ghibli film or Mm -hmm. whatever. And like, this has that je ne sais quoi. Like this has Mm -hmm. that, that, that aura about it and yeah, you know, I guess I'll get into my emotional weird breakthrough that I had. Um, You know, so we mentioned before the story or the main story that's in this is about like the king of all cosmos's relationship with Papa. Is that what they call him? Yeah. Papa, I guess. Yeah. So like you as the prince, it's your grandpa. And like, it was a straight up emotionally and at times physically abusive, relationship. And yeah, um, the king of all cosmos not being able to measure up to, to whatever and um, Papa throwing away his second place trophy into the river, <laughs> whatever. Right. Um, and you know, at, at, at the end of the story, near the end, they show that he did always care and that he he actually went in and pulled out the second place trophy or whatever. You know, looking at it from the lens of an adult, I don't think that quite makes up for the emotional abuse. It's not, uh, it's not like the, the forgiveness that it is framed as, but I'm not going to get too into that, but it did, you know, I, I don't have much of a relationship with my father. So my emotional breakthrough has like nothing to do with any of that, but it, it did get me thinking specifically about like regrets and stuff. Uh, Mm Hmm you know, this is a very small moment that you wouldn't when people talk about regrets in their lives, it's always like, Oh, I didn't, we I didn't try dating this person or blah, blah, blah. My regret is very, I don't, it's very silly. I shouldn't say silly, but so it was in middle school or high school. And it was right after we moved from Wisconsin to Ohio. And I had it was literally like my first week and I had like no friends. Mm-hmm. And it was the end of the day. And grabbed myself on my locker and we were leaving and there was um this girl like a little bit in front of me and then a dude right behind her both like you know 14 15 years old and they're just walking and the guy just out of nowhere uh kind of kicks the bottom of her feet like just like I don't, I don't know how to describe it just puts his foot right at the bottom of her foot with a lot of force and mm. she, she just falls straight forward. Like she just straight up just sprawled out on the ground. And, you know, this dude is like snickering about it. Mm. And the, the, and the girl is just, like, she just has this look on her face. It's not quite anger and it's not sadness, but it's really just like, like, what, what? like, what is this? And mm. then she makes eye contact with me as in like, di- like, did you see this kind of th- like, what is happening? And I like had stopped for a second, and you know I knew, I was like I should really like say something here or at least like help her up or whatever, and I just didn't, you know mm-hmm. I I just I'm like I'm just, I'm getting out of here <laughs> I don't yeah, want, yeah. I don't want any part of this, um, and you know again, it's not that like there was no injuries or anything it was just a weird like dumb teenager thing. But I think about, I to this day, I still think about that at least, like, once every couple weeks. Relatable. Of, like, why, yeah. like, why didn't I do something? Like, I know what was in my heart, and I knew what was right, and, like, me now would obviously do something immediately. Mm. But, yeah, I guess because of just how much uh, rolling I've been doing in Katamari the past couple weeks, I really, like had to like reckon with that. Like there was like kind of no escaping that. Not that I'm no guru or anything, but yeah, I understand enough about meditation and stuff to know that you don't run away. You're supposed to let it go and let it flow and stuff. Yeah. And I, 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 did while playing Katamari and it made me think about a lot of like what regret even is and like what that accomplishes for you as a person. And like, and I realize, like, without my memory and regret from this, like, the things that I take pride in in myself probably wouldn't have nurtured and grown in the same way, right? Um, like, without that, I, I, I would probably be a different person. So I look back now, like, a couple of weeks later, and I, I know this all sounds insane. I know it sounds like I'm, I became the Buddha uh, by playing <laughs> We Love Katamari, but like. I genuinely, I look back now and it's not like a sad thing. I mean, again, I still regret not doing anything, but it genuinely is like, it's okay. Like, Mm -hmm. nothing bad happened and you know yourself enough to now know that you wouldn't do that again. And uh, I don't know. I don't know why. Katamari release hit me and allowed me to 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 come to that like life realization this time, but it really did. And yeah, I think about that damn bluffing Damacy song and even though that's a, that's a sad song, but yeah, like the, the I won't destroy things, I'll make something new, like even though the overall message of the song is much sadder than that, that really sticks with me now uh, in a way I never thought was going to happen from this game.
0: Yeah oh yeah thanks, thanks for sharing that. I think that um, I think that not only is that intensely relatable for me, like I think about stuff like that all the time, but also i mean yeah it's it's important to kind of come to a place of like realization of like um of like what makes you who you are, and like that ultimately the best parts of you came from something negative, you know in your past, and I think that that is uh is certainly a good life lesson to learn just in general, regardless of the fact that Katamari might be the one that allows you the space to learn it. And I, I, it's interesting too, that um, I I think meditative is actually a really good word to describe Katamari. Like meditation is just anything that can allow you to disconnect and take on your own thoughts and parse them and decide what they mean for you and everything. And that's like exactly what Katamari does. Um, And, and I think there's something really beautiful about that. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, um, the, the father relationship too, cause that's a, yet another way that the game like really kind of hit me. Cause I don't have a great relationship with my biological father and things are, we had a massive falling out that I won't get into. There were things like emotional and physical abuse. And like, I related to that a lot too. And, you know, subsequently just like how the King of all cosmos did, when my biological father had like a health scare, that was sort of when things, the bridge kind of rebuilt a little bit. And it was like, that was like kind of the first time that like he was ever able to not apologize, but kind of like acknowledge it, you know, that that mm-hmm. even really happened at all. And, and that like he does regret it, you know, and stuff. And, and like we, uh, we actually got to like sort of talk about that for not even really like still not to the extent that we really need to, but, um, but he gave me the most that he was probably able to give me in that moment. And I appreciated that. And so we have like a very sort of, you know, a civil relationship and stuff. And, uh, and I do, you know, I do love him. Like I do, you know, care about what happens to him ultimately, But um, but like our relationship was never going to be the same. And regardless of like, you know, you regret it and stuff like that still is forever damaged. And I think about the things that the ways my life might have been different if that never happened. The person that that I might be the sort of like anytime I have a moment of like weakness or anger or something, I'm like, God, like. I wish that before we started recording, like I was talking to you about like a moment of anger recently that I like regretted, you know, and I'm just like, (laughs) I was like up all night, you know, thinking about it and just, and it's a very little tiny, stupid thing. But like, um, I think that like it, it does ultimately though, what, what you've just said and, and what I've just said does demonstrate like a level of self-awareness and empathy that I think is like important, um, as, as, as people, but it's also something that like not a lot of people have like in right. the modern day you know not a lot of people have that that realization of like oh like i i did something wrong and here is what i can learn from it um and here is how it it makes me a better person um and if katamari is the avenue by which to explore <laughs> these feelings and to make you a more empathetic person then i think more people should play katamari <laughs>
1: Also the soundtrack is banging. It's fucking so good. It's really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was um it was a weird experience playing this. And like that's that's the thing too. Like another thing that has been nice about this conversation is is like the because the game is so simple like there's not really all that much for us to sit here and talk about rote things like the gameplay because right. you're just rolling a ball around. <laughs> you know, that's the game. So,
1: uh, yeah. the one thing I did, I've been thinking about this a lot lately too, in regards to the, not so much the gameplay, but the design of it, yeah. or rather the art style of it is like, I've always loved animal crossing, like since the gamecube original or kind of original. Mm-hmm. And having said that, my wife is like the animal crossing super fan and <laughs> like engage with animal crossing in ways that I didn't even know were possible until I met her. Um. And so, like when I moved in with her and we got married and stuff, um, I really watched her play a lot of Animal Crossing. Still am. She's a few thousand hours into New Horizons, but hell yeah, uh, like she takes her town decorating very seriously. And I had never did any of that in New Horizons until we lived together, and it really sparked a fire, lit a fire under me to like really like, oh yeah, you can do some cool stuff here. And what? because like when i see like youtubers or whatever doing animal crossing a lot of them are just like they're just making like uh, larger than life things like i'm going to make an arena or i'm going whatever whereas what my wife was doing and i've seen other people do this it's not just her but she makes like real life things in animal crossing and that appealed to me in a way that other animal crossing decorating stuff didn't and i think that's also is a huge part of what's appealing about Katamari is like, yeah, at the end, the final stage, you're rolling up like, you know, UFOs and the sky <laughs> yeah. and the planet and stuff. But like for the like seven eighths of the game or something like that, like you're rolling up paper clips and you're rolling up um, like coins and, and toys and stuff. And it's, it has the appeal of like you get to see Everyday objects that you are familiar with represented in the game, and I again, that's what really drew me into like decorating an Animal Crossing. Now is like, oh, okay, like you can kind of jury rig, like you can make a weird little makeshift cart corral. Like that's not something that like sounds extravagant or whatever. But, like you see that every day, or at least every day you go out. And, yeah, there's a cart corral. I want to make that because that represents my life. And yeah, I think Katamari. really when I think about it that was like the first game I ever saw like just that was populated by basically just everyday objects and that was so cool at the time yeah
0: that's a good point yeah and well and I think about it too like even you know in in the context of like of like the game stages usually it's pretty like straightforward like it's just like in a classroom or Mm -hmm. in a in a kid's yeah bedroom or like in a Japanese city street or something. And yeah, it winds up going to some pretty, you know, big extremes, you know, especially (laughs) as you get into the later levels and you get bigger and, and, you know, but, um, we love Katamari in particular also sort of like understands in a way that the first Katamari Damacy, I don't think really did. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, somebody asked me one time when this game was coming out, I would be, oh yeah, We Love Katamari is the best Katamari game. Like, Mm -hmm. it's way better than the first one. They're like, well, like how? Like, the gameplay is the same. Like, how is it so much better? And I think it's not only the things that we're talking about, the things with the story such as it is, the theming of it, the music is better and everything too. But like, the game also, I think, understands the assignment more even as a game than the first game did. Because like, it'll put you in these places, but it'll give you like more interesting parameters than before. We talked about the bear and cow level earlier, which is one example, but there's also that one where you're like a race car, like (laughs) a track thing, which is really fun and goofy. Uh, And like it, it doesn't like super work, but like that's kind of the point like that. It's like you're just darting around this track. You know. I love
1: that, yeah, whatever, whether you're playing as the Prince or whatever cousin, we got to talk about the favorite cousins oh, yeah. also at some point. Um, but whoever you're playing as, like, they're, I think the Prince is just on, like, some kind of, like, cart. Like, they're they're on top of some wheeled thing, because, yeah, you're, you're moving forward automatically. Like, the game doesn't mm-hmm. really let you stop on this racetrack level. But then, um, I forget exactly, my favorite cousin in the game is Slim, who just looks like, like a cardboard cutout of the prince, like he's just <laughs> yeah. very thin and boxy. I forget exactly what he's writing. I think it's some kind of like flat horse or something. Um, yeah. On that level, it's very, very good and a great so dumb good. attention to detail. <laughs> my
0: my favorite cousin, I don't remember their name, but it's the mushroom one. Yes, like I that's my second favorite. <laughs> I, I love that one. Like, and I I love all of them. I love the the big like round yellow tennis ball looking one with <laughs> the little horns. <laughs> like I, I like that a lot too. And I, I can't remember if um like I know you can get the presents and stuff in, in the uh in the original as well, but like I don't remember engaging with that stuff nearly as much as I did in this playthrough. Like I remember like I would kind of like yeah, I would play as like some of the other cousins or whatever, but like for the most part I didn't really engage with a lot of the stuff. Like the I don't I don't know if the photo
1: mode is new to this version of the game. I think it is, but yeah, it's been so long since I played. Yeah. And I didn't look any of it up. I think I want the stickers or the graffiti. That's also new that you yeah. take pictures of.
0: Yeah, and I thought that was really like cool and like an interesting way to sort of like engage with with Katamari. Like an interesting like sort of addition. Also, this version has like more content, like the Royal Reverie part, which kind of. Mm-hmm not really like it's sort of positioned as like further backstory for, uh, the King, like you're playing as the young King of all cosmos. And like, instead of the King talking to you, it is Papa talking to you. And it's, it's pretty slight, you know, like ultimately I think it's five stages
1: and they're Um, all like really short. Yeah,
0: Very, very short. Yeah. But it's like kind of cool that they did it at all. Like, I was I was sort of looking at it I was like yeah, it's kind of like neat that it's even in here. Like I, you know, I really didn't expect anything. Like this could have just been a quick and dirty port and no, it's got a lot of new stuff in it too. So,
1: yeah, I going into it, like I remember like yeah, the name plus Royal Reverie, but I didn't for whatever reason I didn't realize that it a had new title. To do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um and also, yeah, the, the the child version of the King of All Cosmos is very cute. It's very good mm-hmm. to roll around as him. Um, I will also say, uh, I don't think it's just because this came out, like, a week or two after Tears of the Kingdom. But, like, this is one of my favorite games of all time. And I didn't realize it was coming out until I looked at the eShop and it was out. I had zero yeah. clue. So, I don't know, like, who... Like, you know, I can't fully blame marketing when I don't know exactly how much marketing they did. But... I feel like I should have been aware of this and I was not.
0: Yeah, they I don't feel like they marketed uh marketed it very strongly and it's also like $30 I think US. I think it's 29.99 like it's mm-hmm. it costs like, you know, very little for for what the game is. So I I don't know, like it's really it's really neat like it it was this has been a really strong year for video games I think in general, but um, and this is something that that I've said in a couple different places now, including the Critical Diversions podcast. Um, it's been a weird year for me, though, for video games, especially on my Nintendo Switch. Like, it's been a year where I felt like I haven't been able to like strongly connect with many AAA games um, beyond Tears of the Kingdom. Um, Tears of the Kingdom was the first like AAA scale game this year, I think, that I like really connected with. Um, and so to come off of Tears of the Kingdom basically straight into this, um, it was just, yeah, it was kind of a nice reminder of like the power that video games still can have and the experiences that I can still have with them, despite feeling a little listless for most of 2023 to have a profound experience with We Love Katamari all this time later was kind of nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I've had similar thoughts this year like after tears of the kingdom like the majority of stuff i've even played is like remasters and remakes and right and looking at it through that lens like yeah we love katamari royal reverie it's probably my second favorite thing i've played this year yeah um, without zelda it would probably be the the number one
0: yeah no it's really good i i recommend um i recommend people pick it up um and it's also too like it's it's a lot of the stuff that, like, people... The reason I think it qualifies for a show called Keep Nintendo Weird is not only that, you know, it's great that it's on a Nintendo platform now because really it feels like it kind of just belongs, you know, mm. on, on Nintendo Switch anyways. Um, but it's the kind of thing that, like, people sort of, like, say uh, that, that they want more of. Like, people say they want these kind of, like, unique experiences or, like, original ip or whatever and it's like well it's out there you just have to like look for it and even at the scale that this was you know it may be like a 30 dollars remaster now but like back then those were full-priced games from a company like bandai namco which was uh or just namco i guess at the time which which is you know like that was a bigger name then than it is now (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. so like it, it also is kind of like it's almost like an illustration of like uh weird ideas at a large scale that I appreciate. So yeah,
1: it's a good game. Pretty good. It's a very I good, I like game. it. And, <laughs> and it was kind of the, de- to me, I guess real quick, it was kind of the death of like that era of gaming to me in turn. Like mm. I can't think of that much. Like, I mean, there was some stuff like what that Tokyo jungle or whatever on PS three, a few years later. Oh, I but, love that game. Yeah. Um, I can't think of that many like and I say weird for want of a better term and I I know this is the keep Nintendo weird podcast but like Mm -hmm. I just can't think of the exact (laughs) word I would want to use quirky offbeat whatever Um, but yeah this is like one of the last games of that era that has that attitude that like got a retail release like after this a lot of it started becoming digital only and which which is fine, like as long as stuff still keeps coming out, I don't care too much. But it, uh, yeah, I don't know, like you, you don't see stuff like Mister Mosquito or No One Can Stop Mister Domino these days. Whereas right. like, those were all over the shelves back in the PS1 and PS2 era. And yeah, I I really missed that time period.
0: Yeah, it's a nice hearkening back to to that sort of thing. So I don't know. People should go play it. Um, you can play the first Katamari Damacy as well. It's also really good. Um, and, and both of them have been, you know, sort of remastered and re-released, uh, on, on switch and they're both really good. So, but yeah, I, I appreciate you for, for coming on and, and being willing to go there, uh, to, to (laughs) sort of work through our emotions together with, with, uh, we love Katamari. I appreciate you, uh, real, real quick before we, uh, wrap up, I guess if you would point them in your direction sort of one last time for, for yourself and for critical diversions.
1: Yeah. uh, My personal Twitter is at shy guy city. I think my avatar right now is slim from we love Katamari. So you'll know if it's me. Uh, And then yeah, (laughs) critical diversions is at crit underscore diversions. I think we've got the, the fanzine and a pin tweet. It's free to read and the, the podcasts are also up. So Anything you want is right over there. Awesome,
0: yeah. And I'll have, like I said, I'll I'll have links uh, to all that stuff so you guys can can easily find it as well. Um, thanks again for coming on. It's it's been a it's been a total treat and a pleasure. Everybody should go play. We love Katamari. Play more good games. Create what you want to create. Thank you all for helping me keep Nintendo weird. Bye bye. Bye. This is a term which has guided Nintendo since the early days of the company, when Mr. Hiroshi Yamachi was president. In English, it means creating something unique. I believe when you hear from Nintendo this week, there may be several times when you say to yourself, well, that certainly is unique. And hopefully, you will be thinking of unique in a good way.